Just Our Real Estate, episode number 255. All right, guys, thank you for joining me here on Just Our Real Estate. My name is Mike Simmons. I am your host, and today I've got a great show for you. I've got something cool lined up, some cool content that I want to share with you, and I'm excited to do that. But before I do, I want to talk to you about two things. Number one, are you a new real estate investor who really wants to get into this this business of real estate investing, but you're just overwhelmed? You don't know what to do. You don't know where to start. You need some guidance. You need to see some, you know, some some materials that can kind of walk you through it, or give you the encouragement, or answer the tough questions that you have about your specific business and your specific challenges. If that's the case, and you really want some good uh, content that you can use to move forward and start this business and do it right and get all of your, your questions answered, and I mean all of them answered, then what you need to do is go to my website. On the front page on the far right-hand side, there is a banner for the Fail Fast Flipping Program. That's right, Fail Fast Flipping. Why is it called Fail Fast? Because we want you to get out there and get going, get started, just start your business. You're gonna fail, you're gonna have bumps and bruises, you're gonna you know, encounter challenges, but you wanna get that out of the way so you can get on to making money and being successful. Everybody has bumps and bruises along the way in the beginning, but if you get out there and fail fast, then you can move forward and be successful. So go to my website on the front page on the right-hand side. There's a little banner for the Fail Fast Flipping Program. Click on that link, go to the page, and check it out. It'll give you all the information about the program before you ever make a decision to jump in and, and get started. And there is a 30-day 30, 30 money-back guarantee. I'm telling you, there is no training in real estate anything close to this for anywhere near the price. And honestly, for any price, you're not gonna find training like this. I don't care how much you're willing to spend, you'll never find training better than this. And the price is incredibly reasonable. So go check it out. I know you're gonna love it, especially if you really wanna get yourself going in the right direction and avoid a lot of the pitfalls along the way. Now, if you've been in the, in the industry for a little while, if you're generating leads but not getting enough leads, I wanna talk to you about a great lead, lead capturing website and the program that you use to create a great website, and it's called Lead Propeller. Again, if you go to my website on the front page, on the right-hand side, you'll see a banner for Lead Propeller. Lead Propeller is an online software that you can use to set up a fantastic lead generating website. Guys, I have one. I'm talking from experience. I'm already getting leads in from the website organically through the internet, through Google searches, and you can too. There's a lot of ways to get leads in this business, but I'm telling you a way that people are not utilizing to its full potential is online. Everyone knows about realtors, everyone knows about direct mailing, very few people understand how to harness the power of the internet to bring leads to your inbox every single day. I'm doing it, I love it, I've already gotten deals from it. I think you should check it out. So go to my website on the right-hand side, click on the Lead Propeller banner, right? Go to juststartrealestate.com, the right-hand side, Lead Propeller banner, click on it, check it out. Again, you can read all about it before you make a decision. Make sure that you enter the promo code Just Start If you decide to get a, 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 a Lead Propeller site, and you'll get one month to try it for free. So you can start generating those leads before you ever pay a dime for it. I suggest you do it, go check it out. You will be happy, guys, that you did. I love mine. Okay, let's dive into the show. 
All right, thank you for joining me on Just Start Real Estate. I appreciate you being here, and I'm really excited to have my guest on today. My guest name is Michael Smith, and, and Michael's a, a real estate, I'm sorry, a residential mortgage loan officer and real estate investor in Central Florida. After graduating from UCF with a degree in finance, he began investing in real estate as a way to secure and expedite his future retirement. Both a landlord and a house flipper, Michael is focusing on building a scalable business that will enable him and his family to reach financial freedom. And I think that's what we all want, man. Welcome to the show, Mike. I really appreciate it. And I'm really excited to have you on. Yeah, absolutely. It's good to be here, Mike. Um, you know, really appreciate the opportunity. Cool. Well, listen, we talked a little bit before we jumped on the air here, and I just wanted to say to everyone out there, you know, Michael's a, a relatively new investor. He had, admittedly a new investor. And, uh, you know, I found him on Bigger Pockets, which I talk about all the time. It's a great website. He was on the Success Forum. I read a little bit about his about his story and about the the, the deals that he was doing. And he's, he just seemed like someone very cool to interview and someone that I think that you're really going to relate to and someone that's going to be inspiring to you as a new real estate investor because he, he is new himself. So, and he's he's working another job. He's not doing this full time. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Um, I'm actually in the mortgage industry as my full time job as a loan officer. Yeah, exactly. So it's not like you you know you're doing this all day long. This is like after hours, which is really how most people start, and most people do it that way for a long time. They they stay in their nine to five job and, and do real estate on the side. So you know it takes a different kind of person. It takes someone with a little bit more drive and someone who's willing to maybe put some of the fun things on hold a little bit or watch a little bit less TV or whatever they have to do to get this done. It's not easy. I know that it's not easy. So I'm excited to get into it and talk about that a little bit. But before we do, let's just talk a little bit more about your background. I understand you have a degree in finance and, and you're in the banking industry. What is what what exactly do you do in the in the in the industry and did it help you? And how did you get like the bug, the real estate bug? What made you decide to invest in real estate? Sure. Well I've I've always been, you know, pretty entrepreneurial. Um, you know, I can remember back in uh, actually middle school um, you know, my family had a Sam's Club membership, and I'd go and I'd get the big boxes of candy, and I'd take them in my backpack to school and sell them off individually. So I've kind of <laughs> had, yeah, actually got in trouble a couple times for doing that. But uh, <laughs> you know, I've always had that that drive to kind of, um, you know, be my own boss, make a little bit extra money, kind of hustle, you know, as they say. Sure. sure. Um, and so um, when I was deciding on, you know, really what to do long term. Um, you know, I went to school, uh, and it was actually the book, uh, I'm sure you've heard of it, The Total Money Makeover by Dave Ramsey yep. uh, in, in the financial space that kind of uh, helped me decide to go to school for finance. Um, and when, when I made that decision, I was kind of focusing more on um, personal finance, financial planning, retirement planning, things like that. Sure. Um, my original goal was to get licensed as a CFP, Certified Financial Planner. Um, and kind of set up retirement plans for people, help them put together budgets and things like that. That's kind of the vision I saw myself um, doing. But when I was in school, I took this class called Real Estate Investment Analysis. And man, that just flipped on a switch. I, I just got so excited about the idea and, and so passionate about how that could really help to expedite you know, my family's financial situation. Um, my professor was actually an active investor himself. Uh, he specialized in, in multifamily. He did apartment buildings and things like that. And um, you know, he would go over scenarios of where he just kind of got the deal set up, brought the, you know, the pieces of the puzzle and the players together and was able to make, you know, a huge amount of profit just by doing that and just by having control over a deal. Um, 
you know, it really just got me excited and heading in the real estate direction. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I didn't even I didn't realize they had classes like that in college. That's a very that's a very cool thing, especially from someone who's an active investor. I mean, how incredibly cool is that? So that person, that that professor was active, like you said, they're buying apartment buildings and things like that. Did so and that's where it sounds like that's where you sort of got the this thought, hey, I mean, real estate could be awesome. So why what right now what you're doing you're doing flips correct and you're doing buy and hold as well you're a landlord as well are you interested in apartment buildings or is that something in the plan going forward you know i, I never want to say never but at this time i don't see myself getting into <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah i don't see myself getting into multifamily or apartment buildings or anything like that um you know right now i'm really focused on single family homes um and there's a few reasons for that um well, wait a minute. Before we get into that, let's let's jump back a little bit. I want to finish sure. where we were. So you were in college, took this class, loved it. It kind of ignited a fire in you. Obviously, you graduated, went on, and went into the the working world, the nine to five world. So what what made you act, what what was your first like deal or the first thing you did in real estate? And how long did it take after college or after you took that class until you did your first deal? Okay, sure. So when I was still in school, um, that's when we bought. Our, our first home as a primary residence, and that was kind of at the bottom of the market. We bought our home uh, in 2011. So, uh, yeah, the home we bought was, was built in 06, and we bought it for probably about a third of the price of what it had originally sold for. So we got a great deal on it, and it was a foreclosure, and, and that kind of, uh, you know, just kind of encouraged me further to get in the real estate space. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I graduated uh, from college in 2012, and at that point, I just really started doing a lot of research. Uh, you know, I read a couple books. That's when I found the Bigger Pockets website, and that's just been incredibly instrumental in, in helping me to to really get started. Yeah. Um, it was actually last year, um, about middle of last year, maybe June, July of 2013, is when we finally decided to take the pledge and, and buy a rental property. Um, Okay, let's talk about that. How how did you find the property? How did you fund the property? What did you use to determine? What was your criteria for the property? Let's talk about some of those things. Sure. So, um, you know, really I was looking for cash flow. Yeah. Um, and when I bought that property, I, I never really anticipated I would ever get into house flipping either. Um, that's why I never say never about the multis. <laughs> right. But, uh, you know, I was the kind of person, man, it's all about cash flow. I'm just thinking long term for retirement. Uh, I've got a finance degree. I'm just going to get a get a job and and use my, you know, my earnings to kind of bankroll my investing. Um, yep. You know, I was just really excited about the whole prospect of being able to one day have a ton of units and just turn it all over to property management and just you know have the checks come in every month. Yep. Um, so really, I was looking at what would make sense for my area. Um, I'm in Brevard County, which is the east coast of Central Florida. Um, I'm sure you're familiar with Kennedy Space Center, you know, all yep. that stuff. Yep. Um, so the area got hit pretty hard. Uh, we had a lot of layoffs with NASA and things like that, but there's still a pretty diverse economy. There's a lot of um, finance and healthcare and, and stuff like that. So the area has been recovering well. And really what I looked at is what is the county average? What what type of home is there a lot of liquidity for? What is there a lot of demand for? What makes the most sense, you know, long term? So I'm looking at, you know, three two twos um, that fit within pretty close to that county median price range, uh, anywhere from you know, maybe 50 to 150, somewhere like that. Okay. Uh, and now I'm targeting more, maybe 100 to 175. Okay, let's tell the audience, because a lot of people are really new. What's a 322? Yeah, a three-bedroom, two-bath, two-car garage. Okay. Um, yep. And really, 
you know, you could go for the three ones, and a lot of people do that. A lot of people go for the you know the two ones because there's cheaper, there's less barrier to entry. Um, you know, maybe easier to manage if you have less tenants. But really, my goal is, and I'm pretty conservative. So if I ever get in a pinch and I have to liquidate a property, I, I want it to be able to go pretty quickly. Yep. You know, I want there to be good solid demand for that property. Um, and, and also, you know, just thinking of it as a rental, I think there's more of a desire for for people to to rent a three two than than maybe a three one because you know it gives you a wider uh, tenant pool you know so yeah. maybe a family with with kids or things like that yeah I totally agree I mean just think about yourself right what would you would you I mean you know, most people when they when they buy a house if they can if possible they want two bathrooms right it just makes sense one bathroom is very difficult so yeah I totally agree with that I mean it's it's gonna be easier to sell it's gonna be more marketable so that makes total sense yeah absolutely. Um, you know, and actually, um, you know, I'll step back a little bit too and, and say that, um, you know, uh, bigger pockets, you know, we've talked about it before, but it definitely was kind of the impetus to get me to get started. Um, read a lot of books. I read, um, uh, what was it? Landlording on autopilot by Mike Butler. Have you read that one? I've not read that one. Uh, it's a good book. Good book. Okay. I'll check it um, out. yeah, but bigger pockets, you know, just a lot of things online, a lot of books. I, you know, I read and researched for probably about two years, like I said, after buying my primary before I really jumped in, made the commitment to do something. And, you know, a lot of people argue about whether or not you need an LLC or things like that. I decided to go ahead and just set one up really as a way to just kind of make it real in my mind that, okay, I'm doing this. Yeah. You know, I, I paid the money. I, I filed the papers. I've got a business. Now I've got to actually go buy something. Yeah. Um, you know, and you asked how I financed it. I used, um, actually a private, uh, a private money lender, um, really? to do that. Yeah. And the reason was I didn't have a, have the cash needed for a down payment to do, you know, traditional financing. Right. right. Um, you know, a Fannie or Freddie loan, you would need 15% down for an investment property. And the goal is to, to maybe refine something like that within the next couple of years, once I have some more capital and, and cash the private money guy out. Okay. Well, let me ask you this. <clears throat> so I'm a house flipper primarily. I, that's what I've been doing for the bulk of the time that I've been in this business. And I have private investors that fund all my deals. But I will say, and I've heard people say this, and I, I think it's even it's true for me too, I, I have gotten into rentals later in, in my real estate investing career rather than earlier. So it's not been that long that I've been buying rental properties. And I have found that my private investors who will fund a flip will not necessarily fund a rental. And it's been more challenging for me to find private lenders who will fund rentals than it is a flip because flips, you know, you're in, you're out, it's fast money. It's, you know, they, they have a little bit more, uh, I guess, you know, their money is, is, is churning more often. So you're new to the business. You, your first rental, you've already got a private investor. Now, if you don't mind my asking, you don't have to obviously say who it is or anything like that, but where did you find a private investor when you're that new? Sure. So right after I graduated in 2012, I, I got licensed to um, sell securities. So I was actually selling mutual funds and, and okay. doing a little bit of that financial planning while I was kind of figuring out what I want to do long term. Um, you know, and I made some clients, did a lot of, uh, you know, meetings where I'd go over people's entire financial portfolio and kind of make some, some evaluations. And, you know, I'd say, okay, you're making X dollars a year. Uh, this is what you have saved currently. This is what you want to be able to live on in retirement. So these are the steps you need to take to get there, that type of thing. And I met a lot of people who really weren't on track or maybe their investments were allocated poorly, so they're getting a really bad rate of return. Um, and so really, I went back to, to one of my clients who had previously been a very good friend um, and just kind of pitched the idea around getting into real estate. And they said they'd be willing to do, uh, you know, something like this. Now, um, I've got one rental, and I've I've just finished up my first flip, and I actually used the same private money partner on that flip, and and it's interesting how you know you kind of 
led the conversation this way because, um, you know, obviously the the rental that private you know private money lenders tying up their capital for a long period of time depending on how you structure it whether or not you put in you know a balloon or something like that so you know their their money is sitting there you know they're getting checks every month but at the same time a lot of times investors especially when it's something like real estate they want to be able to get in and out and get yeah. a higher rate of return than yep. they can you yep. know I'm paying them five percent annually for uh, you know for the rental and you know that's not going to get them where it needs to be for retirement right right um, so on the flip we structured it a little bit differently. Um, what we did was he put up all the, all the money and, and I did all the work as far as finding the deal, analyzing the deal, getting it under contract, doing inspections, closing, managing the rehab, listing it for sale, all that stuff. Um, and we're just going to split the profits 50, 50. That's, that's the way that uh, we both felt comfortable doing it. And, you know, a lot of people say it's better to have 50% of a deal than hundred percent of nothing. And that's yep. definitely, definitely the case. <clears throat> totally um, agree with that. Totally especially me being totally new and not having a track record. You know, I didn't want to jump in and do hard money because there's some risks there. Um, you know, obviously a property that needs a lot of work isn't going to pass for traditional financing. So yep. I think private money partners, you would say, instead of instead of a private money lender, is definitely a great way to get started. You know, you can build some credibility. You're, you know, you're not being greedy. You're willing to give up more of the deal in order for them to take a chance on someone who's brand new. So yep. I definitely think that's been valuable and I'm going to be utilizing, you know, structures like that going forward. Yep. That's yep. brilliant. And I, I tell that, I tell people that all the time, you know, it's funny for new investors who get, you know, greedy before they've done their first deal and they don't want to give up 50%. So, you know, they'd rather just sit on the sidelines and, and say, I'm not, I'm not willing to give up that kind of a profit when they could be doing deal after deal after deal, making 50%. And like you oh, said, absolutely. when you're new, I mean, there's a, there's all the risk is on the investor, right? If you have no money into it and they're putting all the money into it, they're taking all the financial risk. So it really is a win-win situation though. They're taking all the financial risk, but they don't have to really do anything, right? They just Absolutely. have to have to wait for you to finish and sell the house. And you know, there's a little bit of trust there, but I couldn't agree more. I did 50-50 deals for years and I still have a couple of investors that I, I honor that that arrangement because I've they've been with me for so long. But yeah, eventually you can you can branch out and, and you'll you'll find other investors. And make other contacts, or maybe the deal, the terms are a little bit better. But I think there's nothing wrong with that at all. I, I, I love it, and I totally uh, recommend that to new investors for sure. So yeah. totally brilliant. And I, I mean, it's interesting to me that this investor is interested in doing the long term and the short term. I, I, I tend to find there's the, that investors fall into one of those two, one of those two categories. And it's rare to find someone who's willing to do both. I think, at least in my experience, right. so and that's that's incredible. That's great. Yeah, and this particular investor, you know. Going forward, they will be doing you know the flips with me again, and, and definitely not more of the rentals because it just doesn't really work for where that person needs to get long term for retirement. Yep, absolutely. Now if, let's go back to your your rental that you bought, your first rental. You're a sure. finance guy, so let's talk about how you what your what your financial criteria or like what what numbers were you using to make a determination whether or not that particular rental was going to work for you. What what were you using for that criteria? Right. Um, you know, a lot of people kick around the, the 50% rule, and I think that's a great way to start. Um, you definitely want to run the numbers for yourself and, you know, make sure, first of all, that you're, you're calculating your, your rent correctly. You got to know that you're, you're using something realistic for your area as far as what you can expect in rent. Um, and you got to make sure you account for all the expenses. You know, it's the principal and interest of your mortgage. You've also got taxes and insurance. You've got maintenance. You've got long term. Uh, capital expenses, you know, you've got a vacancy allowance, all kinds of things that you need to account for. 
Um, so essentially what the 50% rule is, for those who haven't heard it, is you can assume over the long term that 50% of your gross rent is going to go to uh, non-debt service related expenses. So like your taxes, your insurance, maintenance, repairs, vacancy, things like that. And then the other 50% is left for the principal and interest portion of your debt service. Okay. And so what's left after that, obviously, is your cash flow. Yes. Excellent. Very good. Yeah. And you're totally right. The 50% rule is a great way to get you in the ballpark and make sure you're being relatively conservative. And I couldn't agree more. I think a lot of people go, you know, the rents are somewhere around eight or 900. So I could probably get 950 if I really want to. And then, you know, I'm going to be a really good landlord. I won't really have a vacancy. So I'm just going to say I'm going to get 12 months worth of rent and you know, I, everything looked pretty good. I doubt anything's going to go, you know, the furnace looked decent. It worked. I'm not going to worry about that. You know, it's like, and they start talking right. themselves into the, like the worst thing they could possibly do. And then of course what happens, I mean, they, they get a hundred, you know, they get 850 instead of 950 for rent or 800. And you know, they, the first person who comes in and moves out, you know, they, they break their lease or whatever. And then they have two or three months of, you know, everything goes, you know, not the way they planned because their plan was to hit a home run every single time and we know that doesn't right. happen so things are going to happen i think that's great um the way that the way that you looked at it i mean the maintenance you know a lot of people ignore that and a lot of people ignore you know a, a lot of these little things or you know even the taxes for that matter i mean you know it, it really depends on who owned the house before you had it whether or not they lived there whether or not it was a primary residence because sometimes i don't know about i don't know how it works in florida but i know where i am you know you have homestead and non-homestead right so absolutely, absolutely. If, if it's a homestead property you know the taxes are going to be one thing when you take it over they're going to go up so you have to understand these things because taxes are a big expense and that's going to really eat up a lot of your cash flow especially if you're running it real thin on your numbers you know, a lot of people say, I, I, as long as I'm covering my expenses, I'm okay. Or as long as I'm making something, I'm okay. Well, as soon as you calculate anything wrong, you're not, you're losing money every month. Right, absolutely. And, and especially depending on how much of your own money you're putting into the deal, you've got to look at your opportunity costs. Because if, if you're only making, at the end of the day, you know, like an 8% cash on cash return on your money, uh, and you've got all the headaches of being a landlord, and you've got all the risk of maybe you didn't estimate conservatively and things can go really wrong, then it's really not worth it for you to even be doing it because you could be making a similar return, you know, just by doing it in the stock market, mutual funds, things like that. Yep, totally yep. agree. Now let's talk about that rental. Now, what, what when you did the deal, did what, anything you learned? Were, were there any lessons? Any hard lessons? Any did you get knocked down at all and have to get back up, or did it go pretty smoothly? Yeah, actually. Um, so when we were purchasing the property, um, you know, I didn't do as much due diligence on the front end as I should have as far as inspecting the actual condition of the property. And I ended up having to spend a couple extra grand replacing the AC. So definitely, you know, when you have the property under contract, make sure you look at all the major systems, do your due diligence. Um, that way you'll, you'll be much more accurate on your numbers. Yep. Yep. Totally agree. And, and it sounds like the relationship is good with the lender. So that's not an issue. Is it a long term? Do you have a balloon on that? Are, are you, can you talk about that? I don't want to talk about anything you're not comfortable talking about, but right. I'm very curious, you know, and I know my listeners are because this is one of the things people struggle with. Where do I find money? And then once I find someone who's willing to lend me money, how do you structure it? What do you tell them? What, what are the terms? How do you work that out? Right. So the private money on the rental 
I've got to say it was probably a one in a million opportunity. I don't think I'll get something similar to that again. It's it's just a fifteen year, yeah. I don't rate. either, for the record. I, I heard the interest rate, and now I know right. it's fifteen year term. Yeah. You're like my hero now. I'm going to start calling yeah. you when I'm trying to negotiate this stuff. <laughs> so you know, really in the future, if I ever do have private money, I'm sure it'll be more like seller financing, subject to things like that that I can use for rentals. I don't anticipate something as good as this coming around again. Uh, it's a fifteen year fully amortizing fixed rate with no balloon, but you know, the gentleman's agreement was as soon as I have an opportunity, preferably within the next five years, I will refi out of this. Okay. Um, but that's not, that's not on paper. That's not a balloon. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So, all right. So you have this rental. It sounds like it didn't, it didn't go really horribly. I mean, there's an AC situation. It cost you a couple thousand dollars so that you have to account for that, obviously. But all in all, you know, especially for the first time out of the gate, it sounds like it went pretty well. You have stable financing. That's all good. Now you've recently done a flip as well. How did yes. that go? Especially for someone who didn't anticipate doing flips. So it doesn't sound like it was something that was a burning desire for you. Why <laughs> did you decide to do one and how did that go? Sure. So I was so happy with the rental. Um, you know, I've got an excellent tenant in there. And again, I'm going to plug bigger pockets. Um, uh, you can go there and check out the uh, ultimate guide to tenant screening, I think it's called. And, and yeah. that really, really did a great job. Um, so I've got a great tenant in there, you know, pays on the first every month. No calls, no complaints. Actually, we'll do minor repairs himself, and it's just excellent. Um, you know, I was so happy with the way that went that I'm thinking, man, I need to get another one because my long-term goal is to have 100 units. Um, okay. That's kind of the, the long-term vision. Um, you know, and I'm looking at it. The market's starting to go up in the area. Prices are going up. You know, I don't have any fresh capital to invest. Obviously, my, my private money guy doesn't want to do any more long-term rentals, Um you know, all the, the houses that I'm looking at need work so they won't qualify for traditional financing. Right. And actually, in this time, I just started a new job. Um, and we can get into that, too, um, as far as my career choice because I was doing the financial planning. And then I really decided to, to transition into something real estate related because that's where I saw myself going long term. So I wanted to find a career that would kind of help me, you know, um, I guess you could say hit two birds with one stone where I could get some real estate experience, some, some local market knowledge, maybe network with like-minded people. Um, and I, I tossed around the idea of becoming a real estate agent for a while, but didn't really like the thought of showing houses to picky home buyers. Um, <laughs> yeah. you know, and I'm really numbers, I'm really a numbers guy. I'm pretty financially geared. So that's where I kind of fit into that mortgage, um, mortgage space. So I ended up, you know, taking a job at, um, prime lending as a, a residential mortgage loan officer. And I love it. Um, you know, we talked earlier, you mentioned how, you know, it's tough to, to do the real estate investing while you're working a, a full-time job, but I probably have it a lot easier than a lot of other investors do because I have a lot of flexibility with my job. You know, I can work from home. I don't necessarily have to be in the office from nine to five. Everything can be done from you know my iPad or my laptop. Um, yeah, that's awesome. So I've got that flexibility. I can take personal calls. I can go check out houses. I can, you know, and a lot of the networking that I'm doing for my job is, you know, marketing to real estate agents, networking to real estate agents, title companies, things like that. So it's been incredibly powerful as a tool to help uh, you know, catapult my real estate investing personally a lot faster than maybe if I had taken a job as an engineer or, right. you know, at a restaurant or something like that. Yeah, that's so. a perfect marriage of your career and, and you know, the real estate industry. I, I agree. You're going to meet the right people. You're going to you're going to learn a lot. And in the, like you said, the more important thing is you have a little bit of flexibility and your clientele is exactly who you want to be talking to anyway. So, right. That, absolutely. Great. And every deal, you know, every every loan that I do gets an appraisal. So I get to see you know, my finger's kind of on the pulse of the local market as to what, you know, what buyers are looking for, what the appraisers are looking for, what price per square foot, 
things are appraising at, you know, the condition of a lot of properties in the area, things like that. So it's another That's awesome. valuable aspect of my job as well. That is awesome. So the flip, how did it go? How did you find it? Why, why flip? Sure. Yeah. So, so like I said, my, my goal was, man, this rental went great. I, I want to get another rental. You know, I want to get to that hundred units. How can I get there quicker? Mm -hmm. So I started looking at flipping as a way to kind of generate some cash to, to reinvest into rental property. So it started out as, okay, I'll do another flip or two and just use that as a down payment. But after this flip, I'm starting to think, you know, I can really transition this into a scalable business and eventually do that full time. You know, my goal is maybe within the next two to three years being able to do house flipping full time. Um, so awesome. it started as a way to just kind of, you know, recycle some cash and reinvest it into rentals. Um, I found the flip. Uh, I actually bought it from a, a local wholesaler that I met. Uh, you know, here we go with bigger pockets again, but uh, <laughs> met them online there and got plugged into a local meetup. Um, we actually meet the first and third Monday uh, of every month. Uh, there's probably about Mm, somewhere between five to ten people on average that show up so okay. it's it's still a pretty small glove but but it, i like it that way because there's a lot better conversations and yeah. you know better network and i feel that can go on in a, in a smaller setting like that yeah um so i got it from a local wholesaler they send it over you know i went and looked at the property just needed some cosmetic work um you know and i went back to my private money guy i said hey i've got another opportunity instead of a rental you know i can take this cash flip you know fix up and flip this house give you you know half of the deal and if it goes anywhere close to what i think it looks like, like you know you'll be getting x percent on your money much 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 better than what they're doing anywhere else wow so yeah. you really i don't know if you realize how fortunate you are in a lot of ways so first of all <laughs> you found a hard i'm sorry you found a private lender a private partner that that things have worked out really well and that's been relatively smooth and then you found a wholesaler right out of the gate, basically, who actually has good deals, like legitimate deals. I don't know if you realize that's not easy to do all the time. I hear, and I'm on bigger pockets a lot as well. And I, one of the things people are always asking is, hey, does anyone know a good wholesaler in my area? I'm looking for a good wholesaler. Right. And I have dealt with wholesalers. I have just talked to wholesalers. And I do have a few that I, that I know and I, I have found that I like. But there's a lot of them who really think they have deals but they don't or they're doing the whole daisy chain thing where they're trying to market somebody else they don't even have the property under contract and it's a real maze and a mess sometimes of trying to find a good person in a in a field of not so great uh wholesalers so that's awesome that you found one right out of the bat who sent you a deal and it was actually legitimate now if you don't mind my asking a couple questions and i'm gonna uh, because you're a finance guy i want to get your opinion on this what did you use uh, as your criteria now for a flip? Where did you want to be? I'm assuming you started with the ARV and, and somehow worked your way backward. It's pretty normal. But you tell me, how did you decide if this deal was actually a good deal and if there was room for profit? Sure. Um, you know, I, I, you take the 70% rule to start, and it didn't quite fit there. It's more like a 75% rule on this, on this one, um, maybe even closer to 80. But with my first deal, you know, I wasn't too concerned about making a huge profit. I really just wanted to get one under my belt because um, I'd rather jump in and learn. You know, even if I only make, you know, let's say between five and ten thousand dollars on the deal, right? You know, I'm I'm earning money to learn, and that's incredibly valuable in my oh, opinion. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, a, a free education, let alone 
an education that you're getting paid for is incredibly valuable. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, I, I did some research on the ARV. Again, I, I have a little bit of a leg up because just what I do for a living, you know, I'm used to looking at appraisals and things like that. So I have a pretty good idea of what it'll go for when it's all fixed up. Um, you know, and if, and if someone's listening who doesn't know necessarily how to do that, this is where you need to be careful. You know, if you're not too familiar with, with things like that, then get a good real estate agent or, or someone else, you know, maybe another investor locally that you can kind of partner with that's willing to explain a lot of these things to you. Yeah. The ARV um, is a little bit, it's kind of a keystone, you know, it's like if that's right. wrong, any, all your other numbers are garbage, right? So. Right, exactly. And there's, and what, what you'll find is that when you're looking for comparable properties, it's going to be a huge range. You know, it's not like you're going to find 10 comparable properties that all sold for $105,000 in the last six months. You know, some are going to sold for 90, some are going to be 120 and you're going to figure out why, you know, what's the difference in square footage? What's the difference in condition? What's the difference in location? How long did they sit on the market? Do they offer concessions? You know, so there's a lot, a lot of more, you know, data mining, so to speak, that goes into that. Um, And that's where it can be valuable to, you know, have that experience. Uh, either looking at the MLS or working with agents or, you know, things like that. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, you, you look at the ARV and then you kind of back out. You know, a lot of people say the 70% rule. I kind of like the way Jay Scott does it. Um, and I listen to his podcasts where instead of using the 70% rule, you just take, um, you know, the ARV minus your purchase price, minus your rehab costs, minus your holding costs, and then, you know, your desired profit. So instead of lumping in all of your miscellaneous selling and holding costs in with your profit, you actually identify those specifically so you have a better idea of what you're earning. And it kind of makes you run the numbers better because then you're actually thinking, okay, how much is going to the agent commissions? You know, How many months am I going to be holding on to this thing? So what am I going to be paying in, in uh, prorated taxes at the end of the day? Yep. What am I going to end up paying on insurance? Things like that. Yep. So it kind of makes you think a little bit more about all the aspects of it. Yeah, I agree. Instead of just the 70% rule. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're much more accurate that way for sure. Exactly, yeah. So so really, you've got to figure out, okay, what's the minimum amount of profit I'm willing to make on a deal? Is it a certain percent? Is there, a, you know, do I want to make uh, 15% of the end sales price with a minimum of, let's say, I don't know, I'm not going to be willing to make less than 15 on a deal or something like that. Figure out what your desired profit is, and then you've got to know how long it's going to take to fix it up based on what type of work needs to be done. Um, how long it's going to sit on the market. You've got to know what the average days on market are for your area. and You've got to price appropriately. So, if, for example, right now in my area, the average days on market is about 60 days. So rather than pricing it right at my IRV, I'm, I'm pricing it a little bit low to hope that it goes a little bit quicker. Um, you know, Because we're done with the rehab, but it's actually listed right now. It's still on the market. Okay. How long has it been on the market? Uh, it's been on the market for 10 days. Oh, okay. That's not bad. Yeah. yeah. Bad. We've, we've got a few offers, but they've all been low. Um, so I'm actually probably going to drop the price this weekend just to try and get a little bit more interest. Um, cause I could hold on to it, you know, for 30, 60 days and get more for it, but I'd rather just get it done, pay my investor back and make everyone happy, yeah. you know, earn yeah. a little bit less money, but just get that one under my belt and, and move forward. Yep. That makes yep. sense. Now, nothing in your background or anything you've told me to this point leads me to believe that you have a, uh, a builder's license or an extensive knowledge about building and, and repairs. So how did you do that part of it? How did you know what needed to be done? How did you really look at quotes and have some idea whether or not they were in the right ballpark? How'd you do that? Sure. So, you know, going back to the rental property, when we bought that, that needed some work as well. So this is, you know, my, my first flip, but my second rehab. Gotcha. So on the, on the rental, I actually did most of the work myself. 
Oh, so and see, I, I'm wrong. You you do I, know how I to do this stuff, right? But I hated it, <laughs> <laughs> and it, and it took a lot longer. Um, you know, when I was doing that, oh man, every day after work and weekends, I'd be over there. You know, that one needed a new roof, so I was up on the roof in the hot sun in Florida, oh. ripping off shingles. You know, did you know how not, to do that, or did fun. you just learn as you went? You know, when I was in school, um, I worked as a facilities maintenance supervisor. So I, I have a little bit of experience, you know, I'm kind of handy and I've got a lot of friends who are contractors. So, uh, you know, I had them help me out and I actually have a buddy who owns a roofing company and he came over and worked there with me and taught me how to do it. Okay. And, you know, I appreciate that. I'm glad that I did it and got it out of the way and learned some stuff because now I can talk more intelligently with contractors on a job site, yeah. you know, and I, and I know how things are supposed to work. You know, I've, I've never done any like electrical or plumbing or anything like that, but, you know, carpentry, roofing, stuff like that, I, I kind of know how to do. Okay. So but, I made um, a horrible sweeping generalization about a finance <laughs> guy that he did not know right. how to do building stuff and I'm wrong. And once again, your contacts have like been invaluable to you. You know, you know contractors. You know a guy who has a roofing company. Like everything that has happened in your life has stacking you up to be like the the ultimate real estate investor at this point. So that is that right. is very it's very cool. I mean, I'm I'm super jealous. That's that's awesome. I mean, obviously there's tons of work involved here. I'm not trying to make it sound like it's super easy, but in all seriousness, you've had events in your life that have put you in positions to have good contacts and. and to have good experience right I, I heard some somebody say one time that uh, relationships are the currency of the wealthy and I think it's really important yeah. to you know not from a selfish point of view but when you meet someone find a way that you can you know be of mutual uh, benefit to each other yeah. I think that's incredibly valuable yeah because so, you're their currency you know, too right I mean in that analogy right, exactly. you're their currency Right. So, you know, I'm giving them work. They're, you know, they're teaching me how to do things. You know, obviously I'm paying them for the time they're, they're spending working with me. But, but anyway, like I said, so I, I did a lot of the work on that house and I didn't enjoy it. It, the rehab took a lot longer than it would have. I saved some money, but you know, I it took time away from my family. You know, I married, I had one kid at that time. We're actually expecting our second here in the next week. So, you know, I've got a growing nice. family. I want to be able to spend nice. more time at home. And that's really the whole reason I got into real estate was that I don't have to spend all my time doing manual labor. So, you know, while I saved a couple thousand dollars on that rehab, I made a decision that on the flip, I wasn't going to do any of it. Yeah. So Good. from the very beginning, you know, even if I, I could have saved a little bit of money, even if I did have the time, i I intentionally didn't do any of it, so I, I subcontracted everything out. And and actually, going forward, I might start using a GC because even even just you know taking the time of getting quotes, going over scope of work, working with subcontractors, yep. Yep. I'd like to be able to you know, like I said, build a scalable business and eventually not not even deal with subs and just have maybe a project manager or a GC that I work with going yep. forward. Good man, I. I, I could not agree more. I, I, I coach people. I've been doing this a long time. And I can tell you, I, I personally have never met uh, a successful house flipper who doesn't use a GC. I just haven't. It just, right. It's just what you will end up doing if you really want to scale and you want to be as profitable as possible. Because even the money that you save, for example, on your rental, and I know you know this because you're a finance guy, you save money, but then there's some lost rent there because it took longer than it should have. So, you know, and a fix and flip, it, the same thing happens, right? It, you, you save a little money, but it takes you eight months instead of it taking 30 days. And, you know, what's the cost of that? So, and, and just the fact of the matter is, while you're you're running the 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 crews and, and doing the work yourself, you're not out finding more properties, you're not out securing more funding, and those are the things that help you scale and be really successful. So I I think that's great. I'm glad you didn't do the work, and I'm glad you're thinking about a GC going forward. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. absolutely awesome, so, um, man. Well, listen, I 
I don't want to keep you much longer because we, we said a half an hour and I want to stick to that. But I do, before we end this, I would like to hear, you know, as a new real estate investor or a relatively new real estate investor, you have some deals under your belt. You're getting ready to sell your first flip. That is super exciting. What have you learned? What what advice would you give someone if they were going to, you know, they were you a year ago and they wanted to get started. They didn't, you know, maybe they didn't even know if they want to do cash flow. They want to do fix and flips or they want to be a wholesaler. Like what what kind of things can you tell them that you've learned or what pieces of advice would you give that person? Sure. I think probably one of the biggest things is learn from other people's mistakes. So definitely take the time to read some books, jump on some forums, listen to some podcasts, figure out what works for people and what doesn't work and, and let those other people's mistakes you know, be your education. Um, I can definitely say that i can attribute all of my success to that because I'm sure, you know, I would have screwed up a lot more than I did if, if I hadn't taken the time to, you know, to figure out a good strategy. Um, so that that's number one. Um, definitely be willing to learn from other people's mistakes. Number two is don't be afraid to make your own mistakes. Um, you know, even don't be afraid to break even on your first deal if if you're just going to get that education. Now, depending on your background and how much you really know about real estate, you definitely want to be conservative when you're running the numbers, but you know, you don't have to shoot for a $30,000 profit on your first flip, you know, just get out there and, and take action and make something happen. Yeah. Love it. I couldn't agree more. Learning from other people is definitely the best way to shortcut things and to sidestep some, you know, some major pitfalls that you might otherwise fall into. And there's, you know, what I found in this industry, there's, there's such, there's a lot of good people and there's a lot of people who are willing to give you advice and to take a little time to try to help you. And, and it's awesome. And you should, you should try to find those peoples and those kind of mentors and that'll help you. But like you said, you know, uh, forums like bigger pockets, great place, a lot of good people out there. There's a lot of great podcasts. There's a lot of, there's a lot of material out there that will get you to where you want to be. You don't want to spend a lot of money or a lot of time. It's just, you just need to do a little bit of research. And like you said, for goodness sakes, be conservative. Don't talk yourself into something being a deal when it's really not right. Don't, don't fool yourself. Right. Absolutely. Learn how to do the math, you know, learn how to evaluate a deal from all aspects. Um, and, and don't be afraid to run your numbers by somebody. Yeah, uh, and make sure that you didn't miss anything. You know, find a local networking group. If there isn't one, then start one, and and run your deal by someone and make sure that you're getting a second opinion if if you're not 100 percent sure on what you're doing. Totally agree, man. Totally agree. Well, listen, it, you've got some good things going for you, no doubt about it. You're already successful. You're going to be more successful. I mean, you 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 you're approaching it so perfectly. So I, there's no doubt about it. Things are going to go well for you. Um, but I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. I know you're relatively new in the industry, but you know what? We, we all were new at one point, And I think that what you're doing, you're doing things so well that it's just it's good to hear from someone who's you know who's not just out there head on fire trying to get things done and making tons of mistakes you know you're thinking this through a little bit and and you're making less mistakes because of that and and I think that that's really important I advocate you know this whole podcast is called just start right you have to get out there and do it you can only think about it for so long but I never ever ever want to imply that they should anyone should just start this this industry or this business without having some knowledge or doing some you know, some learning. There has to be a little bit of learning taking place. And I, I think it's awesome. And you're a great example of someone who's done exactly that. So I appreciate your time and, and thanks for sharing and being very candid with us about what you've done and, and, and how you did it. And uh, yeah, I, I really appreciate this. Yeah, absolutely, Mike. Thanks for the opportunity to be here. All right. Thanks a lot. And uh, I will be following you on Bigger Pockets. I want to hear more about your success. Yeah, absolutely. All right, man. Thanks a lot. Have a good All right. night. All right. You too. Thanks. Right, bye bye.
Remember, if you want to be a real estate investor, if you want to get involved in real estate and really do something big in this business, there's only one way to make that dream a reality. Just start. <laughs> 